Amen. All right. Good afternoon. <laughs> Woo. Uh, uh, got a call from Cindy Martinez yesterday, and uh, she's, they're doing, having a great time. They went to the healing rooms yesterday morning. They're, her and her husband, we sent them out to Bethel Church in uh, Redding, California, Bill Johnson's place. And uh, she just said, just got blasted in the healing rooms, had an awesome time there. And then they're going to be at two meetings today. So uh, she wanted to tell, tell me to, she was telling me to tell you, thanks for praying for, and uh, everything's going really well. So that was awesome. Another thing uh, I wanted to just, this is kind of an awesome thing I see God doing right now. And that is, um, you remember last Sunday when the kids had just come back from camp? And they came up here and we're just praying for everybody. And then we kind of did it to be continued on Wednesday night, if you were here. And uh, one thing that I just want to recognize is because this just doesn't happen every day. And uh, I think it's just amazing is what I saw on Wednesday night was a nine-year-old following a high school student around praying for people, praying for the sick, you know, praying praying in tongues, roaring over, just releasing whatever they had. And then I also saw a high school student following a college student around, praying for the sick, praying for impartation, praying over people. And uh, Melissa told me after the first service, she said, you know, Matthew, at camp, we had uh, kids come up to us, students come up to us and say, hey, let us pray for you. And they began to just release an amazing, powerful thing over people. And, uh, then when I was out in the parking lot on Wednesday night, I was leaving, and I, I overheard a ninth grade student talking to a high school, I mean a college age person about um, going to, you know, some question about ministry at Kids Corner at Lee Park on that coming Saturday. And uh, I was like, man, Lord, it's not, it's amazing how you're connecting generations together, not just in relationship and not just in their group. You know what I'm saying? Because we have all these segmented little groups and we just announce a ton of them and all these things. But also in other ministries of the church, God is bringing generations together in relationship and in ministry. And it's really powerful and it's something to be really thankful for. So that's all I wanted to say about that because you just don't find that thing, honestly, very much. And uh, I've seen it happen, I've seen it go, and I'm just glad when it's here. <laughs> so thank you for that. Hey, here's another uh, word somebody got this morning. I see Jesus. He is standing with his arms reaching out to us. There's so much light shooting out from him. It's like hundreds of prisms shooting out from him with all kinds of light. He's moving about, floating from place to place. This is a vision of what his Shekinah glory is, but not all will see at this time. So thank you, Jesus. Welcome. Welcome, living presence of God. We just appreciate you, desire you, love you, Lord. Just speak to our hearts and our minds this morning, God, through your Spirit. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. i got a question for you this morning. How's your heart? How's your heart doing? What's the condition of your heart today? Now, probably it's pretty good over the last hour because you got in a presence. But I mean, before you came in here this week, is your heart worried, stressed, worn out, disappointed, disillusioned? Is it full of love and faith? You know, 
there's a famous proverb that says something like, guard your heart above all else, for it is the wellspring of life. You know what I mean? And it doesn't take long, does it, for our hearts to get cloudy. Sometimes get a little stony, get a little hard. And Jesus taught us that the most important soil was the soil of our heart. Because seeds, in order to grow, had to find fertile soil, didn't they? So I think that it's a question that I want to just throw out there and keep at the forefront of our heart. Because here's one thing I noticed about Daddy God. He's a heart man. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, Chris? He's a heart man. He desires above all else all your heart. You know, I mean, so much so that he could even look into the heart of a prostitute. Byron was talking about this last week. And see her with a totally different reality. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what an amazing heart. I want my heart to be that way with the people that God has put around me. How about you? Is that our natural state? Not very often. No, it's not our natural state. That's why we need God's heart to replace the stony heart that we have. Ezekiel 36, 20, you know, promised that that would be our born again experience. But I also believe it's a continual thing that begins, that keeps happening as we allow it. It's also another way to say it, the renewed mind. Romans 12, 2. And as Byron pointed out, I think last week, the renewed mind is not here, it's here. Paul actually mentions it as the mind of your heart being enlightened. You know, so watch your heart, guard your heart diligently. I want to start here this morning. I want to talk about daring to dream again. Okay, and uh, I've been doing a series on healing. I'm going to take a pause from that. Hey, we got newlyweds in the house this morning. Let's give them a hand. Tyler and Jeannie, you guys stand up. Yep, I married them last Saturday. Yeah, good job. Woo! Go Tyler and Jeannie. Get to know them. They're awesome folks, if you don't already. But uh, I'm taking a pause from that series, and uh, grace of God, I'll finish that by the end of the year. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about daring to dream again, because here's the thing. I believe there's a lot of us sitting in this room this morning, and ladies, this doesn't leave you out, but hear my heart. I want to talk specifically right for a second to men. I believe the Lord said to me, Matthew, there's a lot of men who have stopped dreaming. And he said, it's time to dream again. You hear what I'm saying? We're in a season right now, the Lord's given us this prophetically, that it's time for the lions to roar. Okay? It's time for us men, we need to carry something right now. And uh, Byron so well, he made this statement just in conversation this week. It was so powerful that I wrote it down. He said this, those that make it through times of transition are those that have vision. Those who make it through these times of transition are those who have vision. Where does vision start? It starts with a dream. It starts with a dream in God's heart. In fact, just like each one of us before we were born, from the foundations of the world, God dreamed about us. We were a dream in God's heart. That's one of the things I'm excited about another baby here to come is, wow, another dream. Another dream in God's heart. That's the seed, that's the foundation of everything in the kingdom. It's a dream. A dream turns into a vision. A vision as it grows turns into reality. 
dare to dream again. I want to share a story from my life, okay? How many people remember the year 1987? 1987. It was a remarkable year. Let me just share with you some of the top things about 1987. Who remembers on the Billboard charts, what was the top song of 1987? Walk Like an Egyptian. The Bangles, baby. Yeah. Who remembers Walk Like an Egyptian? The top album of 1987 was U2's Joshua Tree. Yeah, I knew Andy would be excited about that. (laughs) Now, here we go, David. The top movie, RoboCop. RoboCop and The Prince's Bride. Come on. Mowage is what brings us together today. You remember that? Yeah, it's still greatest movie, The Princess Bride. I mean, it's epic. You know what I mean? Like, you just, you know, it was a great year, 1987. Who won the Super Bowl in 1987? The <laughs> Panthers. They were a dream in God's heart. <laughs> or maybe a nightmare. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 1987 Super Bowl champs was LT and the New York Giants. MVP Phil Sims of the 1987 Super Bowl. That was Lawrence Taylor just for LT, just, you know, just to clarify there. <laughs> In 1987, Matt Bollinger was 13. And, uh, you know, I was this little kind of zitty-faced kid and uh, going through the throes of puberty. And uh, here's something I was thinking about in 1987. I went to uh, my soccer coach and English teacher in eighth grade had moved to Florida. And uh, him and his wife bought this little fixer-upper in Naples, Florida, right near the beach. And he had two younger boys. And so they, they flew me down there to like, play with his boys while they like, worked on their house, remodeled it for a week. And so I'm down there one night and I'm sleeping in their house. And all of a sudden I'm awakened when I start feeling this pain in my ear. And it's a really peculiar pain because it's like feeling like something's hitting my eardrum. Very, very painful. So I go and I wake the lady up that I'm standing with. I'm telling her what's happening. And she goes, okay, well, she pours some peroxide or some alcohol in there, try to kind of flush it out, alleviate the pain. Well, a funny thing happened. The pain stopped because something it stopped, hurt my eardrum, but it just felt clogged up. I was like, oh, okay, well, it's clogged up, but the pain stopped, so I'll just go to bed. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning or something, you know. So the next morning... Uh, it's still clogged up and a little discom- uh, uncomfortable. So we go down to the ER, and the doctor looks in there and takes a pair of tweezers about that long and reaches down, yep, pulls out a cockroach about that long. <laughs> Woo! Come on! That's like a gross-you-out camp story right there. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with my message, but it was an awesome story. <laughs> 1987. <laughs> oh, what a great year. I don't think eggs were laid, Dean. I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, what? Crawling locusts? Yeah. Byron, did you have a little bit more hair in 1987? Yeah, a lot more hair. <laughs> Another thing, though, that happened to me in 1987 was one day my dad drug me to this meeting. It was like a men's meeting at our church office on Highway 54 in Durham. And uh, there was this prophet guy there named John Steele from New Zealand. Are the, the Vogels here, Joe? Here? Anyway, fellow New Zealander. And uh, by the way, in 1987, age 13, I wasn't saved. Okay, really. I mean, I went to church. I wasn't saved. And so, uh, you know, like I said, I was kind of like, all right, I'll go with Dad and 
we're sitting there, and this guy just begins to call out people. You know, in 1987, there was this prophetic style that was like, you, you know, and, you know, I mean, it still goes on, but you know what I'm talking about. And uh, so John calls me out. He stands me up, and he prophesies this amazing prophecy. I mean, it, it felt like it went on for like 25 minutes, you know, but it was probably about five minutes because I'm standing there like, you know, not really knowing what he's saying. And uh, the amazing thing about it was is they got it all on tape, and I still have that tape today. Don't have a tape player, but I got the tape, you know, <laughs> with John Steele's prophecy. And uh, I'm not going to play the whole thing for you this morning because it wouldn't be be fruitless, but it was an amazing uh, prophecy, and I don't remember all the details, but one thing stuck with me, even though I wasn't even saved at the time, and has come back to me from that moment, is he said to me, Matthew, you have the heart of an evangelist beating in your chest. He said it like this New Zealand accent, and uh you know, when I was 15, I had a major encounter with the Lord. I believe I was born again then. But it wasn't until age 19, so six years after that prophetic word, that I really walked in the fullness of my salvation and came into the things God had for me. And my mom pulls out of a box in the attic somewhere this tape. You know, and I put that tape in, and some, like fireworks go off inside of me. Something just comes alive in me. You know what I'm saying? How many people have ever received a prophetic word? All right, almost everybody. If you haven't, I'd encourage you to get one. <laughs> you know, like, no, seriously, like, let God speak over your life. You can prophesy over yourself, you know. But also, we have a prophetic team that's doing prophetic ministry after the service, so that happens from time to time. You could actually set up an appointment for people to, to hear the heart of God and, and, and share with you. Because the power of the prophetic word is so impactful, so significant. And uh, at age 19, these things just began to come back to me. And, you know, even today I feel a little bit insecure about that prophetic word because it, it created a dream in my heart. That's the power of the word of the Lord as it comes to you. Is it creates a dream that can become a vision that can become, with some time and some nurturing, a reality. And even today I feel like, well, you know, Lord, I mean, I, I wish I was an evangelist, you know. I mean, I haven't preached to, like, stadiums full of people like Todd Bentley. You know, you know those people that just get people saved wherever they go? You're like, they walk up, you know, people fall out in the Spirit, and, like, every waitress they've ever had is a Christian now. And, like, you know, it just, like, bugs you, doesn't it? Like, it does me because I'm not like that. You know what I mean? Maybe I will be, but I'm just not that way. So there's even been this little insecurity like, this like, well, you're not really, you know, what did that really mean? You know what I'm saying? But the Lord said, wait a second, Matthew, you're interpreting the, this the wrong way. First of all, my word is what you need to listen to, not the word from somewhere else. And secondly, you're comparing yourself to the way other people are instead of what I've created you to be. And I realize in my own life, and I have a feeling I'm probably not the only one in the room, but as time goes on, as life happens, my dreams begin to get a little cloudy. You know what I mean? It's like dreams are this beautiful, fertile field with awesome blue skies, and then all of a sudden it's like the fog sets in. And you can't even hardly see ten feet in front of you, much less make out that beautiful mountain that is your dream. 
And what I want to say to you this morning is God has created us to dream. He's put dreams in all of our hearts. And this morning, we're going to pray at the end of this service that those dreams would have the wind of heaven blow the clouds out and you begin to see again. Because you mentioned Joel 3. One of the parts of Joel 3 is that old men would dream. Okay, I'm not trying to offend you and call you old, but maybe some of you are. But uh, anyway... <laughs> No offense. But God wants to dream. He wants to give you His dreams and nurture those dreams. Now, I was thinking about Timothy. Timothy was a guy. Let's go to Timothy 1. 1 Timothy. Here's a guy that uh, was in a church, a revival church in Ephesus. And apparently he was a pretty young man being raised up in the church he went to church with his mom and his grandma. And uh, they were godly uh, Jews. And uh, he, his father was not uh, a Jew. He was Greek or of some other ethnicity. And, uh, but apparently, as he grew up, there was an anointing that came upon him that was recognizable because he ended up becoming the pastor of this revival church. You know? And it's interesting in First and Second Timothy and Paul's letters to Timothy is he is constantly using language at the beginning and end of these letters that's something like, Timothy, I charge you. Now, I don't know what that means exactly, but I think it means something like, okay, buddy, I'm encouraging you, I'm exhorting you, here's what I want to push you towards. This is the direction I want to shoot you in. Let's look at one of these in 1 Timothy 1.18. He says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. There's something offensive about the prophetic. I don't mean offensive like you're offended. I mean offensive like you've got the ball. There's something really offensive about, offensive about the prophetic because whenever those words are just shot like an arrow into your heart in a good way, and you receive them, it's like the sky's the limit. How many people know what I'm saying? But the scheme of the enemy, and thus the encouragement of Paul, of Paul to Timothy, to his son in the faith, is remember. Remember these. I charge you. I commit you. Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. And then he goes on and names a couple of names, and I would hate to be that, those two guys, Hymenius or whoever it was, that he says, these guys have lost it. You know, and it's almost like he's saying, you know, these guys have stopped dreaming the dreams of God and become, they've gone into something else. They're in another place. And back to your heart for a minute. Religion is a scheme that the enemy uses to put our hearts in a box. We were never meant to be confined to what religion would say. But by the Spirit there is freedom to fly, to soar. And I believe this is one of the things that God wants to do in this season right now. Is to free us all up. Okay, again, I'll be more specific with us men. Right now... See, here's the thing. Let me just take this. I want to say this. I have a lot of uh, dreams about ministry and stuff. And people who aren't... Okay, wait, let me say that again. 
I have a lot of take two. I have a lot of dreams about ministry and stuff, but I don't think I'm the only one. Okay, I don't think that even Byron and me and Marlon and Andy or whatever, whoever's in ministry is the only one, right? In fact, there's a lot of gospel ministry dreams of the kingdom that are in you guys' heart that you need to remember. You need to meditate upon. You need to think about them. You need to begin to pursue them however the Lord would allow that or go after and little by little, these things get damped down, the fog sets in, and you're like, what happened to that dream? Now let's look at the end of Timothy in chapter 4, of where Paul, he goes through a bunch of stuff with him, some recommendations about the church, and so on and so forth. And then he comes back to the topic. 1 Timothy 4.14 Do not neglect the gift that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. You see, he's come back around. I think he's talking about the same thing. They laid hands on you. They prophesied on you. Don't forget about that stuff. And he says, don't neglect it. So I don't know. Could that mean possibly that Timothy was neglecting it? Why would he say don't neglect it? So I just, t- I just tell in the first service, I take a little courage in that, that here's a guy in the Bible who's got two books with his name on it that was neglecting his gifts. You know, a pastor of a revival church. And so he needed a father to come along and say, come on now, don't neglect these things. This gift of evangelism was also with Timothy. Don't neglect this. Stir this thing up in you. And he goes on in verse 15, he says, meditate on these things. You think, I, I think meditation is, a, is a, a thing, is this thing that God has given us that is extremely powerful in the kingdom of heaven realm. In this world of which we have our primary citizenship. Because as we begin to dream, as we begin to daydream, as we begin to think about, as we begin to soak in, as we begin to allow it to become a part of who we are on the inside, these things begin to take root as visions. Right? And then once you have the vision, God can bring the growth to the vision and a process can begin to making those visions realities. All right. Everybody okay? A couple scriptures here. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. An accompanying verse, Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the mind of the heart thing. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, in order to dream, in order to dream again, we have to remember, like I said the other day somewhere, uh, what's on your passport. Is it the United States of America or the kingdom of heaven? You following me? What's your primary citizenship? Where does it lie? It lies in a world that is very different from this one. It's a, it's a kingdom that can't be shaken. It's a very different place. The problem is with our dreams, we want to dream those things in this world. Is that making sense? Okay, we don't dream it in this world, but we apply it in this world. 
Let's take the issue of finances, for example. How many people's dreams have ever been hindered by finances? So what we do is we let that dream get squashed, get smothered because we don't have the money. How about fear of failure? <laughs> you know, all these things. See, but we don't, we don't operate according to these principles. So where I believe God's taking us is He, and me too, okay? I don't have all the answers here this morning. I don't pretend to. But I believe God's wanting to teach us how to operate according to the principles of a different kingdom. Because our citizenship isn't primarily here, but we're aliens and we're strangers. And there's a kingdom that God's building. And when I was talking about at the beginning about young people and generations, there is a generation. There is a generation that, that is going to operate in kingdom reality. Okay, that instead of longing for the sweet by and by, is going to bring the sweet by and by to here now and now. You know what I mean? Like, this thing is happening right now. I believe it's happening, and I feel like we just need to stop the disillusionment. Okay, we need to stop the disappointment, because maybe, well, I thought it was going to happen in a year, or, you know, so-and-so prophesied it in two, you know, whatever, in this day, and that. You know, we need to stop all that, and we need to keep the eyes of faith focused on the main thing. And the main thing is that His kingdom is here now. So preach the gospel. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Freely you've received, now freely give. That is the thing that's happening right now. And it is happening, and God is moving. And we need to be reminded to see that through the eyes of faith. And not let our doubts, fears, disappointments, uh, experiences, that's a big one, our experience is limited. Let me wrap this up. Bill Johnson said this recently. He said, when you get exposed to the supernatural you become a steward of another realm. The whole purpose, he says, of God uh, doing miracles, releasing provisions, any kinds of miracles or sign of wonder for us as Christians, is to let us be exposed. It's an invitation to be a steward of another realm. Like in Mark 8, where He fed the 5,000, and then shortly thereafter, there was an opportunity where they needed to feed another big group. And, and the, the disciples were still lacking faith, like, well, all, all, all I've got here is a loaf. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. You, you don't get it. The reason I did that the first time was to show you how to release it the second time. You see, these are some of the principles I believe God's teaching the whole body of Christ right now in order to raise up a generation that operates from a whole other reality and in a whole other realm. Now, you talk about a guy that uh, had a lot of dreams, never let them die. Thirty years. In 1831, Abraham Lincoln failed in a business venture. In 1832, Abraham Lincoln was defeated as a candidate for the state legislature. In 1833, Lincoln failed once again in another business venture. In 1835, Lincoln's fiance died, shattering him. In 1836, Lincoln suffered a nervous breakdown. How many know that's a bad decade? In 1843, Lincoln was defeated as a candidate for the U.S. Congress. In 1848, Lincoln once again was defeated as a candidate for the U.S. Congress. In 1855, Lincoln was defeated as a candidate for the U.S. Senate. In 1856, Lincoln was defeated as a candidate for the U.S. Vice President. In 1859, Lincoln once again was defeated as a candidate for the U.S. Senate. And in 1860, 
Abraham Lincoln was elected the 16th president of the United States of America. You talk about, about a guy who refused to give up on a dream. It's like, I'm going to go into business. No, nope, I'm going to run for office. No, nope, I'm going to go to business. Oh, my wife, my fiance died. I, I can't handle it. You know, and just, I mean, he was all, he made Abraham look really good. You know? I mean, Abraham of the Bible is what I meant, you know. I first didn't realize they were the same name. Think about Joseph. I was thinking about him. Joseph the dreamer, right? He's even labeled the dreamer. He has that original dream about his family bowing down to him. You know, then it all goes south from there. And then he's like, you know, falsely accused of rape in prison without habeas corpus. You know, like there's no chance of getting out of here. But Joseph refused to stop dreaming. I believe that even like my prophetic word of 1987, Joseph remembered his word. He remembered the dream of what, however old he was as a young teenager when he had the dream as he sat rotting in that prison cell. And he refused to give up. And when an opportunity came to interpret the Pharaoh's dream, he was ready. Why? Because he didn't let the dream die in his heart. Now here's the thing, and here's where the rubber meets the road, and I want to conclude with this, is how far-reaching is your dream? Does it just stop with you? Remember the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith? You know the stories, right? All Moses and Abraham and Noah and all these, and all these stories and all the grandiose things that they did. What does it say at the very end there? This is Hebrews 11.39. And all of these having obtained a good testimony through faith, okay, praise the Lord, so far so good, did not receive the promise. What? Have you ever seen a really good movie where the main character, like, dies at the end? It's like, what? What kind of movie is that? You know, it's like, like, Rocky wouldn't die at the end. He wouldn't get, he wouldn't lose. He can't, that doesn't happen. <laughs> so it's like here, you know, I'm reading this, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah go Rocco, you know, and then... Did not receive the promise. Lost the boxing match. Doesn't stop there. Verse 40. God having provided something better for Rocky. I mean for us. <laughs> Rocky's son. But they should not be made perfect apart from us. Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. You remember the message last Sunday about the cross and the blood and the things that our Savior went through for us? The pulling out of His beard, the stripes on His back, the skin being ripped from Him? He said with joy He endured all that, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. To illustrate, one day I was talking to Andy about some of his dreams. And, and it, I was like, you know, Andy, you know all these dreams you have about you know, music, all the prophetic words, all the, you know, you guys know, like, you know, the recordings and the albums and the leading worship for thousands and all this. What if it never happens with you? But, in the billion soul harvest that the prophets prophesy, what if it's Savannah, Natalie, Olivia, Elliot, 
Henry Delaney. Sorry, I missed one of the six. What if one of those are like leading work, are just, you know, just are up in front of half a billion people leading them before the throne room? You know, would it be worth it? Obviously, it would be worth it. But wait, if Andy were to die before that happened, you think, man, that was a waste. I mean, gosh, I mean, he might feel that way on his deathbed or something. But no, because he's got a vision that it's not just for me. I've got a hundred year dream. I've got a dream for my children and my children's children. And even beyond that, dreaming the dreams of God, they don't stop with you. It's kind of a consolation because then if you don't feel that successful, you're like, well, it wasn't for me anyway. (laughs) That is a part of it, but that's... No, 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 no. No, I believe that Andy is going to see many of the fulfillments of those dreams. Yeah, come on, Brianna. You know it's true. But I'm saying, even if he doesn't, and those of you who are grandparents or parents, you know more than I do even the satisfaction of seeing someone beside yourself beginning to do the things. You know, like uh, somebody, one of the, my high school students who I've spoken to their life a lot, they came to me the other day and they're like, hey, yeah, Camp Morley, I got this word of knowledge for a wrist. And uh, actually, it was you, Tatum. Tatum Peebles' wrist had been broken a couple of times. And she came up, she goes, Matthew, we prayed, and she couldn't move her wrist like this. And we prayed for her, and instantly she could move her wrist like that. Yeah, I was like, man, come on. I mean, just the satisfaction of having somebody that you're trying to encourage do the stuff is way even better than you actually doing it. You know what I'm saying? So even if they, if they put us all in the grave and we haven't received some of the dreams that maybe we have as a church, we get to become a part of the great cloud of witnesses. We get to pass the baton and be like, yeah, you go, girl. You go, boy. You've got this. You can do this. You're the generation. Just begin to speak those words into their lives. You know what I mean? Gosh, I'm out of time. i got a lot of dreams. i got a lot of dreams for this church. I still... I'm dreaming of the day when we walk into the room and there's a fog. I mean, the Shekinah glory just comes and there's like... I hear stories now of like uh, where it's raining indoors, you know, and stuff. And people just walk through. Let's just dream that, you know, there's a, there's a spout of rain coming down. People just walk through with like no limbs and bam, they have limbs. And just, you know, I mean, these things are not only possible, they're very likely. Not only likely, they're certain. That's the biblical concept of hope. Hope is certainty. We are certain that these things are going to happen because the Bible says this. We're not limited by our experiences only, but by the certainty of the great Savior that we have and the redemption that He's bought for us. I want to encourage you, dream. Dream the impossible dreams. Isn't that a song or something? Stuff on the Broadway. Yeah. I just feel like that the, what the Lord has been showing us is that, um, and what Matthew was talking about, about the generations, is what I find is God really has, wants to renew our dreams up for the bigger picture. You know, sometimes you get caught in trying to figure out, okay, God, what's your dream for, my, for me, for the details, for your details of your life? And it gets frustrating because you don't see it or you don't, you know what I mean? But then God, I believe God, what He wants to come and do is 
speak to you about things that are so past your circumstances, so past the details, so past it doesn't matter what position you're in, it doesn't matter where you're working, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you can be a part of this. Do you understand what I'm saying? That God's saying there's something that he wants us to grab hold of that's for the generations. And it doesn't even matter where you work, honestly, if you have a job, if you have any money. All that doesn't really matter. It's more about the kingdom of God. Do you see what I'm saying? And, and, and I believe that what God wants to do is renew the dreams that are so much bigger than anything of this world. But, and, and in that case, it really, really strikes a chord with you because it reali- you realize, oh my gosh, I really, this is for me. This is for everybody. This is for all of us. And this is for the generations. And this is going to impact. If we can really get a hold of, God, your dreams to pass on for the generations. And it's not going to be contained by the details of our life. The details of our life are not going to be able to hold this back. That God is so much bigger than that. And it includes every single person. And so I just really want to encourage you, don't get stopped up with the details of your life. Just, just let God come blow way past all those right into your heart and breathe life for the now, for us to see heaven come and invade earth and really give us understanding, revelation that will impact the, the generations to come. So dream the dreams, and when you dream them, write them down. Share them with somebody. Share them with an, men. Share them with another man. And if somebody's sharing their dream with you, don't poo-poo on it. <laughs> well, Marlon, you know. I mean, let's be realistic here. You know what I mean? Like, let's encourage one another to dream the impossibilities because it's another kingdom we're dreaming about, not this one. I just want to pray a prayer right now, if y'all would just stand up. I'm feeling like the Lord wants us to, I want to pray this, that the, the dreams that God has put inside of you, because that's really what we're after, the dreams that God has put, when He dreamed you and put you, you up and put you on this earth, that those things will be released in you. And it's, uh, so I just want to, right now I feel like I'm supposed to just pull that up out of you, is what I feel like. So, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, just put your hands right here, just right here. Lord, those dreams, Lord, the things that you've designed us uh, to be, to do, Lord God, we just right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we release those out of every person in this room, Lord God. Every man, woman, child, young adult, Lord, every baby's in the womb, we release Right now, in the name of Jesus, those dreams would get released. They'd get loosed right now in Jesus' name. Loose, 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 loose. Loose them. Loose them now. Who? Everything that's been beat down and crushed out of us, but we can't see right now, we just freshly loose those things in us, Lord. Who? Oh, Lord, every lie that the enemy has told us about ourselves, we right now reject in the name of Jesus. I want you to just say that right now. I reject every lie that the enemy has ever spoken over me 
about the dreams that God has laid up for me. I reject. I reject those lies. Whoa. And I believe, just say this, I believe all the dreams, God, that you have placed inside of me. I just say, loose them now, God. Loose them now, God. Loose them. Lord, let them, let them come right up into my heart, fresh. Up into my heart, fresh, God. Lord, and right now, I just want to take authority over doubt and unbelief. We just take authority. Just right now, just say this. I reject doubt and unbelief. I just cast that away from me now. In the name of Jesus. I just receive the truth, the truth, the truth of what God has placed inside of me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Woo. Oh, yeah, you know, the Scripture says we're to provoke one another to good works. Amen. Thank you, Lord. That was a good agreement. It's all shikabobah. Amen. All right, man, did you want to pray for people and all that? All right. I think you should do a blanket prayer. So, y'all good? Amen. So, I'm going to ask. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here for a little bit. <laughs> Let it just soak in. I want to hurry this one up. Yeah, just, just open your heart. Just agree with heaven. You know, Jesus is just looking for you to agree with him. He will do the rest. But he's just looking for an open door for you to say, Yes, Lord, I agree with heaven. I agree with the things that you want to do. I agree with the dreams you put in my heart, Lord God, that have come from your heart, Father. Yeah, just open your mouth. Just agree with that. Agree with that. Whoa! Just agree with that right now. Whoa! Hey! Whoa! Come on! Just keep on agreeing with heaven. Just keep on agreeing with heaven. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, our daddy's good. You're good, daddy. You're good, daddy. So, whew, Father, just seal that. Okay. We just love you. We just love you. We just love you, Lord. We just love you. We just love you. We just love you, Lord. We just love you. We just love you. We just love you, Lord. We just want to tell you that over and over, Lord. We just want to tell you how much we love you, Lord. How much we love you. We want to set our affections on you, Lord God. We want to set our eyes on you, oh Jesus. We want to say we love you. We're so in love. 
We are so in love with you, Jesus. We are so in love with you, Lord. And we just want to take that time over and over and over and over and over and over to set our eyes on you and to say, we just love you. We just love you. We just love you. We are so in love. We're so in love with you. We're so in love. We're so in love with you. We are so in love. We are so in love with you. We are so in love. We're so in love with you, Jesus. We are so in love. We are so in love with you, Lord. And we just want to tell you over and over and over and over and over.